happen on certain nights. I'm going to, and I don't want to just say it every Wednesday because we, we've got a lot coming up in the next couple of months that are active, different things. So I don't want to say every week, but as the Lord leads, I want to teach on Wednesday nights fundamental truths. Okay, fundamental truths. These are, you know, it's kind of interesting. We just talked about basketball. In any sport, there are fundamental things you have to do. There's basic things you have to do right and do correctly. And in our Christian life, a lot of times we, we don't know the basics like we should. Can you say amen? Like we believe and we understand and we, we say Jesus is Lord and all that, and that's great. But all across this church, we're all at different places spiritually. We're at different places in our understanding. So I want to go over things that are called fundamental truths. These are things that, that you don't argue about, things that are not uh, something you can change or, or give on. These are things that are truths, and they must be held as a believer. They must be held in, as, a, as, as a church so that these things will never, ever be twisted or, or taken apart. And so many of you are young in the Lord and don't know what they are. And we're going to start with one tonight, not a particular order. Um, but I want to start on one. I probably could have, if I was going to go off of a particular order, I probably could have done uh, another one, which would have been the, the infallible Word of God. I could have started with that one. But this is, this is going to be okay to start here. And I want to talk about the one true God. Okay, this is a fundamental truth to our beliefs. The one true God, that we believe in one true God. And then the question would be, who is the one true God? And that is the question that the world has today. And um, we, we have people who have, have their beliefs and their belief systems, and we obviously know of religions and, and, and uh, uh, groups tonight that, that have their beliefs in who the one true God is. But what's our source? The Word of God. His Word is our source. So we're going to go in here, we're going to look at lots of Scripture tonight, and this is going to really help you. I, I believe this is going to really um, open up your eyes to some things. I promise you, if you know who the one true God is, you're going to learn something tonight. Amen. Amen. How, many, how many come with that expectation every time you come to church? I'm going to learn something. Amen. I, I, every time I listen to him, I'm learning something. And, and I love when I, when I get something I haven't ever read. I do have a couple verses in here um, that, I ha- that I caught today uh, just getting, going over things that I, th- I don't think I've ever seen. That's always exciting for me. Um, just like whenever I get a message that I preach and I've never preached it. In the last few months I've preached the message, messages I've never preached. That kind of blows me away that after all these years I would preach a message I've never preached. It's just amazing how much is in this book. So we, we know that uh, in the Old Testament, we're going to start here in Exodus 3, Moses is talking to God. They are coming out of, 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 of bondage. Uh, he's going to deliver them. And he's promising them that place of land flowing with milk and honey. And he's saying, Moses, I'm going to use you greatly. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do great things in your life. And, and the reason we need this clarity is, remember when Pastor Manova at conference said he comes from India that has 80 million gods? That's a lot. And, 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 and we know that gods, plural, exist in, in our minds. Not that they exist. There is only one true God. But man has made more than one God. And there's many, right? And so we have to understand what that one true God is. So Moses is talking to God. And Moses asks him a question. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, verse uh, 13. 
Moses says to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Watch this. And they say to me, What is his name? There's nothing wrong with that question. Everybody wants to know a name. What shall I say to them? And I love this. God said to Moses, This is some of my favorite scripture right here. I am who I am. You realize nobody else can make that statement. He said, I am who I am. He did not give himself a name. He said, I am. I am. I like that boldness. I like that, I like that uh, cockiness that God has because he, he can do that. He can be that way. I am. Moses probably like, huh? I am. And we're going to see who he is in a second, exactly what that means. But he says, I am who I am. And he said, you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. Now read on with this. Moreover, God said to Moses, You shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham. Watch, this is very important. Who, what God do we serve? The one true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. That's very important that you write that down or, or underline that or understand that. We serve the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The lineage that leads to Christ and the lineage that leads to our salvation comes from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Amen. Now, I want to just give you a few things before I go a different direction. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, if you want to write that down. Uh, it's a quick verse, so don't go to it. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One. Okay, the Lord is one. So there is not three gods, five gods, ten gods, many gods. There's one God. But going back to the I am... We need to understand something, and, I, and I'm going I'm to say some verses on the I am that I want you to understand, because Jesus fulfills in the New Testament the I am. Okay, God says in the Old Testament to Moses, I am the great I am, I am who I am, and, and you say, well, who is, who is the I am? He is speaking of himself, and he's speaking of who he is going to become in the New Testament. He was and is and always will be, by the way, amen, that's what the I am is. And we, we talk about creation, and we talk about where did God come from? We've all had that question. Well, God was there. In the beginning, God was. That's kind of hard. You know why that's hard for us to grasp? Because we don't have that, ma that mentality to be able to. We have to, well, who, who created God is our question. God was. Okay, he always was, he always is, and always will be. For you to try to figure out who created God, you don't have to because he was. Does that make sense? He already was. You can try to go back as far as you want in time and he's going to be there. You can try to go as far forward in time as you want, he's going to be there. He's, the Bible says he's, he, he, he knows the end from the beginning or the beginning from the end, however which way you want to say it. But he goes on, Jesus goes on in the New Testament, and I'm going to, I'm going to go through these quickly. And he says, verse, and John, these are all in John, by the way. And then I'm going to come back to something important in a second. He says that I am some things. He says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the vine. Don't worry, I'm going to let you write those down again in a second. But Jesus said in John, all those things, I am, I am, I am. How many are with me so far? Jesus and John. You're saying, why did you just jump to John from Exodus and Deuteronomy? Because we need to understand, as many people don't understand, Jesus was not an afterthought. We think, well, you know, Jesus came on the scene 2,000 years ago, and, and the New Testament talks about him. You know, how come, how come we didn't hear about him in the Old Testament, or where did he come from, or how, how, what's the deal? That's a question that many have, and we know today our, our spiritual fathers, going back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their kids, so to speak, did not believe in Jesus as the Messiah. They missed this, and this is very important that we don't miss this and that we understand how important it is to know who Jesus is and that Jesus was not, as we think, think 2,000 years ago, we think, well, what happened in the first 4,000 years? Where was Jesus then? Jesus was never an afterthought. Jesus is God. We're talking about the one true God. We're talking about who God is. Jesus is God. So we see that he is the, uh, the I am I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. He says, I am all these things. And we find out in the New Testament that he says in that verse, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he goes on to say, no one goes unto the Father except through me. That's a bold statement. Amen? But what I want you to see is that, that it's important that we understand in our, in our beliefs of the Bible that Jesus did not just, God did just not say, invent Jesus all of a sudden and say, well, this, this whole sacrifice thing's not working. They're not listening to me. Uh, let me invent someone named Jesus and let's, let's just, let, let, me, let me go down to heaven, call myself cheating my name Jesus. That's not, it wasn't like that. It was planned from the beginning. The redemption plan of Jesus was from the beginning, and Jesus in the beginning was. Okay, so I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1, and I want to show you some things that are very important here about who God is. And I want to, I want to hit home something about what we have to understand we believe, because this is very vital to our faith. Very, very vital. In the beginning, we see in Genesis 1, we, that those are the first words in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see the word God. We see that he goes on to do the plants and the herbs and all that. He says, God created. And then he goes on to create the animals. He said, God created. And he goes on to create the heavens and the earth and the sun, the moon, the stars. He says, God created. So we see this word God over and over again. But we don't really understand yet who God is exactly. That makes sense? Exactly who God is. We just see that word God and, and today, if you think about this and understand this, this is, this is the world we live in. You can say, I believe in God. And, and everybody, not everybody, everybody that's not atheist, any religion, yeah, we believe in God. And, and what they'll say is, we believe in the same God. We believe in the same God. And that's something that uh, especially false religions are teaching. They'll go door to door. They'll, they'll put up pamphlets. They'll do all these things. And, and they, will, they will come to you with a presentation uh, that they believe in the same God that we do. But once they get your attention, 
They have an ulterior motive, which is to come in behind with another God. Different than the one the Bible talks about. And begins to add things and change things. And so we really have to understand who God is. And, and I want you to write this word down because it's very important. Even though this particular word is not in the Bible in English. I want you to write down Trinity. Who is God? Who is the one true God? He's a triune God. He's three in one and one in three. We have to understand that. Now, let me just make this real simple for you, just elementary real quick. If, if you don't understand that, that God is triune, that God is three parts in one and one in three, that he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and that is who the one true God is, then first of all, you don't understand the Bible, and second of all, you don't understand life. Because as you look at me tonight, and I look at you, just look around at somebody, look at that person next to you, look at their face, look at their, their, who they are. All you see is one part of that person. All you see is one part of that person. I am not just this. You are not just that. That is just your exterior person. That is just one part of who you are. And if you don't believe in Trinity or Triune, then you, don't, you can't understand that inside of me is, is a mind, an intellect, emotions, and feelings, and more than that, a spirit. Even though you can't see it, I would look like one person. I'm just one person as you look at me, and as I look at you, we're just one person. There's just one thing we're looking at here. But inside of me is two other parts really makes up who I am the physical part how many think about this the physical part can even fool people but the other parts is who you really are and a lot of times we can dress up the one part make the one part look good act good talk good and so forth but inside are two other parts which are emotions and our soul our spirit and our spirit is going to live forever as I have a jacket on tonight this jacket is symbolic of my physical body and when I die, this jacket is going to come off. I'm now no longer going to be, this is no longer going to be me. That's just going to be a shell. And I spiritually, I, Blake inside, am going to live forever. And my spirit, my soul, is going to go somewhere. And I have to understand that I am three people tonight. Not three personalities, but three things. I am body, soul, and spirit. So when we begin to understand who the one true God is, we have to understand that he is a triune God. And it is not by accident that he is. Because the Bible says that we are made in his image. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 1. How many with me so far? And, and I want you to see this, this, this particular part really hit me today because as I was rereading Genesis and, and I said that, for example, verse 6, he says, let there be ferment. Verse 9, he says, let the waters be formed. Verse 11, let the earth bring forth grass. Verse 14, let there be lights in the ferment. And then 20, waters again. So he's talking about these things. And then God said, God said, God said, and I've preached a message on that. But watch what happens when God mentions creation of us, human beings. Look what it says in verse 26. Then God said... And I want you to underline this. Some of you already have this underlined. It says, let 
what? Us. Okay, with a capital U, and we know what capital means in the Bible. It means divinity. It means God. So he says, let us, and if we don't believe that God is triune, if we don't believe that God is who, what trinity, and three and one, one and three, then we don't, what, what does us mean? Now, I want to tell you, some people will teach that when he said us, this is a crazy thought, but I just want to give you what other people teach sometimes. And Jewish people, Judaism teaches this, that when they say us, God says us, he's talking about all of the heavenly hosts and all the angels and all that. Now, they were definitely there, but God's not going to give credit to the angels for creating things. When he says, let us make man in our image, he is talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All the way back in the book of Genesis. Amen? How many see that there? So, us. And, and then I want you to go over quickly to not take too long on this. Um, but I thought it was interesting that he mentioned us with us. Because we, see, the animals don't need to understand Trinity. The birds don't need to understand it. The ocean doesn't need to understand it. Just us people need to understand it. So he's like, I need to make this set in a way that my people will understand that we are triune beings. Another thing to think about as we go to chapter 3 real quick uh, and look at something else is, is there's, there's another great example of what Trinity, because some people struggle with it. I think I struggled with it in the beginning, f- grasping God being three and three and one. Well, another one is an egg. An egg is not just an egg. It's not just the, the shell. The egg is a good example of us. It's, it's what you see. You see a white shell, a brown shell if it's a organic. But that's not what the egg is. The, egg, the true egg is inside. And you have the yolk and you have the, uh, the white inside the egg. So you have three things in one and one in three. And so we have to understand that there's a principle there that we can see in nature and understand that, that we're not, God is not just what we see from when we say God, the Lord, Lord God is one, but he is three, three in one. Now look at chapter 3, verse 22. Give me an amen when you're there. This is later on, after Adam and Eve have sinned, he gives them tunics of skin, and then verse 22 says, The Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us. And there you see capital U again. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. To know good and evil, and now, lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever how many see that there in chapter 3 once again us now go over to chapter 11 and I want to show you one more verse where it's mentioned this is really interesting this is what to me clarifies and confirms that that when when these when Judaism or somebody else says that 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 us meant all the heavenly hosts this verse right here refutes it how many know what the tower of Babel is People were building a building, they were, getting, they were getting to a place of pride, thought they could reach God. And look what God says in verse 7 of Genesis 11. He says, come, let us go down there and confuse 
their language. The angels did not have anything to do with that. That was God doing that. That was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working together to confuse them and to cause them to not understand each other's language so they could go on. It said that they not understand one another's speech. And look what it says. So the Lord does not say the angels. It says the Lord scattered them abroad from over the face of the earth and they ceased building the city. Amen. So we have to understand that God is... Not just a God, but he has a name, and he's the I Am. And the I Am is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you some more verses for that in a second. But I want you to go to uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 43 real quick. Isaiah chapter 43. Very, very powerful scripture here, verses 10 and 11, about who God is. Isaiah 43 Isaiah and Jeremiah are the two most prophetic, powerful uh, books of the Bible that prophesy to the future. And, and I want you to understand as you're getting there, if this isn't, isn't engraved in your spirit yet, to understand everything that God did and had written down is not an accident. I'm going to show a video uh, soon. I don't know when, but just a little piece of it. It's really important. Um, one, one of the guys I really love to listen to, uh, is Ray Comfort. I've shown videos of him before. He's a great witnesser, a street preacher, and he comes up with awesome things. And, and, and one of the things he does, and this is a great tool for evangelism, is when he talks to atheists, and he talks to people who are agnostic or whatever, and mostly atheists, they'll, you know, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in God. And then he'll use this example of a book. And he'll, he'll give them a book. And it'll have names and sentences and commas and quotations and exclamation points and numbers some pages will be colored and and they'll you know they say they don't believe in god they just believe in the boom big boom they just believe in evolution they just believe that somehow we came from nothing that's what they believe that's literally if you don't believe in god that you believe we came from nothing and that's what atheists say they believe and so as illogical as that is right can't teach common sense it's kind of impossible for nothing. Now you say, well, God came from nothing. Well, God is the I am. It's different to say that God came from nothing than to say something came from nothing. God is God. God's not in this equation. But when they say that the world was created and things were created by nothing, that's ludicrous. Okay? It had to have come from something. There has to be an originator. So he gives them a book, and he says, read it and look at it. He says, now, if I told you that that book just dropped out the sky and fell into place with all those commas, all those sentences, all those page numbers, all those things colored, would you believe that? And they say, no, of course not. But here's the interesting thing about that point to me. People who are atheists will believe that, that what science says and they'll believe that man wrote these truths in, in, in history books and about science, but they won't accept that man wrote God's Word. Think about that. They won't accept that. So it's, it's almost hypocritical to be that way. We have to understand, and this goes just to a little piece of the other one I was talking about, the infallible Word of God. We have to believe that the Bible we're holding in our hands is God's Word. Amen. If you don't believe that, you're done. 
You're lost. You'll never have a truth in your life. You'll never have 100% validity of what you believe. You have to believe this is God's word. And yes, man wrote it. But how can we can believe that scientists wrote the truth? But we, we can believe that poets wrote the truth. We can believe all these things from history. We can believe everything history says. But we don't believe what God's word says. I believe what God's word says. I believe he has protected this word and everything in this book is there from him. Saying that, look at Isaiah chapter 43, verses 10 and 11. And God says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, watch this, and understand that I am he. Now watch this. Before me, you, you try to find somebody else that can make this statement. Before me, there was no God formed. Nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord. Watch this. And besides me, there is no Savior. Besides me, there is no Savior. So someone would say, well, that's God. So salvation is in God. Yes. Who's God? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you know the Bible at all, you know that this entire book of Isaiah speaks about Jesus coming on the scene. Everything Jesus was on this earth and everything Jesus did on this earth was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. For example, 53, when he says he was bruised for our iniquities. All that verse, he was chastised for our peace. All those verses are talking about Jesus the Christ. The second part of the Trinity. Yet he's still God. He's one, yet he's three. Just like us. I'm one, yet I'm three. How many are with me so far? All right? So... Let, let, let's, let's go over a few more verses. How many are, are seeing the importance of knowing the Trinity? Understanding that we, are, we have a triune God, a God, a God of Trinity. Matthew 28, verse 19 says this. This is Jesus' words himself. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, now we see a picture. This is, I want to say this before I say this part here. We see a picture here of, 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 of the plan of God. And sometimes, like I said, we, we can mentally think, man, did Jesus just kind of get invented all of a sudden? But if you look at it, the way the Bible is separated and written, it's perfect. God the Father comes first and deals, as far as his personal person being seen and, and that personality being strong, God the Father deals with the first part of the Bible. That does not mean the Holy Spirit and Jesus were not there. Then... At the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene and his personality is dominant. And, and he becomes Savior. And, and you see that in the beginning of the New Testament. And then all the rest after the book of Acts, all the way to the book of Revelation, we see the third part of the Trinity come into power, which is the Holy Spirit. And so God gave each part of himself to different parts of time, yet he's still one. And, but he spread it out in a way that would, be, that would make sense. Now, I want to show you this very clearly. 
the Trinity in the example of Luke chapter 3. Go there real quick. Luke chapter 3. I have just a few more verses I want to show you, show you tonight. And, and, and understand, I'm, I'm just barely getting into this. I, can't sp- I could spend several messages on every one of these, but I'm going to give you just the, the base of all these different things if I choose on Wednesday nights to do some of this stuff. How, how many are enjoying just learning some of this stuff? Amen? Just really grasping what I believe and why I believe it, what the Scriptures say. So Luke 3. Here's the picture of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit working together. Jesus is being baptized. Okay? And being baptized by John the Baptist. And watch what we see here. We see a picture of the Trinity working together. You're going to have people somehow, I don't understand where people get Scripture from, what they use. You're going to have people that say uh, that, that, that the Trinity doesn't exist, that it's not biblical, and all these different things. But look what Luke 3.22 says. It says, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon who? You reading there? Him. Who's Him? Jesus. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am, I am well pleased. So, so what erroneous teaching would be is that God isn't truly three people. He's just one. Yet you see three people working here. Are you with me? Does that make sense? It's not, it's not like God can't be in more than one place at one time. He's in heaven as the Father. He sends the Holy Spirit down as He's still in heaven and descends upon Jesus as the Holy Spirit. And Jesus in physical form is being baptized. So you clearly see the Trinity at work, all three of Himself working at once together. What is that the picture of? Genesis chapter 1. Let us, let us make man in our image. Jesus isn't an afterthought. The Holy Spirit's not a second thought. They've all been together since the beginning. It'd be, you know what that would be like? That would be like us being born, getting to be about 15 years old, and then all of a sudden thinking, God's saying, well, you know what, I ought to stick a spirit in this person. And then maybe when they're about 40, I'll give them some emotions. Now, that what I just said might work really good in life sometimes, now that I think about it. That might really work good. Maybe it should give us hormones about 30, 40. Amen. We'd have a lot less preteen pregnancies. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many are following what I'm saying? Our emotions and our spirit were not an afterthought. They were all together at the same place when we were born. We were born with a spirit. We were born with emotions. Just like God in the beginning was Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, go to John 15. I'm going to give you just a couple more. How many give me just a couple more minutes? John 15. This is a really good. I think, I think this might be my favorite one. John 15, verse 26. Here we see the clearness, again, of the Trinity working together. John 15, verse 26. Jesus is, is mentioning here. He says, you're going to be hated in the, in the prior verses, hated by people because of my, my sake. I said that a few minutes ago. Again, you go around the world and say, hey, I love God. God is good. God is this. God is that. You're not going to have too many fights. But once you say God is Jesus, 
That's when the trouble starts. That, that's when the peace stops. Because Jesus made that statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the question is, has anybody else in history defeated death? He's got the belt. He's got the belt. He's the all-time champ. No one will ever take it from him until somebody defeats death on their own. And that hasn't happened and never will happen. Because he's the only one who defeated death. If, if we believe in life here, let me just interject this for a second. If we believe that we're really here and we're not just made up and we're not seeing fake things here, we, we actually are somebody, slap yourself and you realize you are somebody, amen? If, if we believe we are here, then we must believe we're going to die and we must believe we're going to live forever. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to die and I'm going to live forever, I want to go where the person was and is that defeated death so that I can defeat death too, so I can go to heaven forever. I don't want to believe in just some God. I want to believe in the God who defeated death. His name is Jesus. So he says here in John 15, but, red letter, Jesus is speaking, but when the, what? Shout it out. Helper comes, somebody shout out who the helper is. Holy Spirit. Is that capital H? It's not capital H in your Bible. Get a different translation. Amen. That might be one of those things that NIV might not have. I don't know. That's, that's kind of the stuff that the NIV does. And if you have an NIV, don't get mad at me. But when the helper comes, who I shall send to you from the what? Capital F. Who's speaking? Who's the first person he speaks about? Who's the second person he speaks about? The, and then he says, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Look at all that. All that in one, one, chat, one, one, one verse. When the helper, Holy Spirit, comes, whom I, Jesus, God, God the Son, shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will testify of me. All three working together. All three, they work together, best team ever. Best team ever, amen? And the best way you're going to walk strong with God is that you walk believing in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and you understand how to pray. How, I pray to God as my Father. I thank Him for sending His Son, my Savior, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm filled with His Holy Spirit. They all work together. In your prayers, make sure you're giving glory to them all. Amen? Make sure you're spending time thanking them all. And get caught sometimes on Jesus because he beat death, amen. But if it wasn't for God, he wouldn't have came down. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't have been drawn to him. So they all need their proper glory. Why? Because they're one. They're God. Again, if you don't grasp that, that's you forgetting. You say, oh, here's my physical body, but what about my emotions? What about my spirit? I'm hoping I'm, I'm hammering that nail down so you're grasping that. Amen. One more verse. Uh, second, actually, two more. John, we're in John 15, 16, 15. Where are we at? Go one chapter back to 14. Let me give you two more awesome verses. John 14. Now, now anybody who, who doesn't believe in the Trinity, I don't know what they do with these verses. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would like to know, but I don't know. John 14, 16. Who, who, who's red letter again? Just help me out. I forgot. Jesus. Okay. He says, I will pray the Father, 
And he will give you what? Another helper that he may abide with you forever. Who's the helper? The spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him, capital H, nor knows him, capital H. But you know him, capital H. For he, capital H, dwells with you and will be where? In you. In you. Have I given you enough verses? It's not all of them, but there's a bunch of them right there. God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you talk to somebody who doesn't believe that, they're not talking about the same God you are. They're not talking about the God of the Bible. Amen? One last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. These are awesome verses to write down, awesome verses to have in your notebook, awesome verses to share with people when you're witnessing, share your faith with people. Here we go again. Another example. Paul, Paul, now Paul is writing the New Testament now in Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all these books. And Paul has gotten the understanding through, through the Holy Spirit. Remember, Paul did not believe in Jesus. Okay? Paul did not. Paul was a Jew. Paul believed in God, period. So they would, the one true God for them is just God, just one person. And, and he has that experience, falls off his horse, Gets, gets saved, has an experience with, the, with God, sees Jesus himself, has a revelation. And then through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, so, so, so God is, is already, he doesn't, God doesn't have to show himself to Paul because he already believes in God. Right? You, you follow that? He already believes in God. So God's not in that picture. But when he sees up in the sky, he does not see God the Father. He sees God the Son. Someone's going to get this. Paul, the Jew, sees God the Son. He sees Jesus Christ. And in that, seeing Jesus Christ, he has a revelation. And Jesus says, Paul, why do you persecute me? In other words, Paul, why don't you believe in me? Why, why do you believe in, in God, but you don't believe in me? And he's, he's given them this revelation. And then we see that he gets, on the gets back on his horse, helped by the guys, and goes to a house led by the Holy Spirit. And then Cornelius, led by the Holy Spirit, is taken to him to preach the gospel to him. And so you see all these three working together again. And Paul has a revelation that the one true God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And look what he says right here at the end of 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, the last verse. Let's go up a couple verses. He says in 11, finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the love, the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, how many understand he could have just left it right there? He could have just said, the God of love be with you. We need to learn to not be so vague when we talk about God, who God is. When you just say God, it's very vague. We know what that means, but does the world know what that means? 
So he says, the God of love be with you. But then he says, greet, verse 12, one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. And look what he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So Paul himself has a revelation God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word tonight on this Wednesday night. Thank you for the hunger that I sense in this room. Hunger to know what we believe. There's nothing more healthy, God, than talking about the fundamental beliefs of our faith. Knowing how to defend the gospel. Knowing how to use the gospel. Lord, knowing how to use this weapon. Your word says that the word is a weapon. It's a sword. It's a sword. Sharper. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces and it divides bone and marrow, soul and spirit. But God, if we don't get the fundamental truths of what we believe down, we will abuse the word of God. We will misuse the Word of God. We will not know how to rightfully divide the Word of Truth. That's what our plan is on this Wednesday night, God, to understand what do I believe? Who is God? You said, I am that I am. I am that I am. And then you use those same words in the New Testament through the Son saying, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. Thank you for your word tonight, Father. Thank you for understanding Thank you for building us up. This is the kind of messages, Lord, that, that give us meat, not just milk. Help us understand what we believe, why we believe it, because the scriptures say it. God, if your word didn't talk about the Trinity so much, we wouldn't believe in the Trinity. We're not making the Trinity up. Your word speaks of it from Genesis to Revelation. We saw it in Genesis. We saw it in Exodus. We saw it in Deuteronomy. We saw it in Jeremiah. We saw it in Isaiah. Father, we saw it in Corinthians. We saw it in John. It's all over the Bible. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Tonight as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're listening online maybe to this message. And, and, and you would say, I believe in God. I know there's a God. I'm not a fool. I know there's a God. But I don't know exactly who God is. Who is God? God is the Trinity. Three in one and one in three. Do you believe that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son? that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're here tonight and you've never accepted that truth, believed that truth, confessed that truth, today is the day of your salvation. 
would you just put your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me tonight? I don't know if I'm saved. That's me. Just put your hand up. I, I, I didn't know about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe you're here and you're, you're running from the Lord tonight. You know the truth. You know who God is. You believe in God, but you are not walking with God tonight. The Bible says he's married to the backslider. He loves you tonight. Come home. Come back. Fall in love with him again. He's calling you tonight. He's saying, listen, I know you've ran away a little bit. I know you've lost your first love, but I'm here. I've never left you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Here I am, arms open wide. If that's you, you'd say tonight, would you lift me up in prayer? It's not to embarrass you. It's just for you to make that prayer tonight. Just put your hand up and say, that's me. God bless you. God sees your hand. God bless you. God sees your hand. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's say this prayer tonight. We'll end the podcast here in a second. I want this to go online. We're going to say this prayer for anyone listening online. As a church, we're going to make a confession of faith. And we're going to pray that Jesus Christ would come into our lives. And maybe tonight someone's getting saved somewhere in the world online. Say this with me, church. Lord Jesus, thank you for salvation. Thank you for a perfect plan. Thank you for your word. There's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God, I believe that you stepped down from heaven in the form of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe you lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and resurrected from the dead. And then you ascended into heaven sent down your Holy Spirit to deal with us to draw us to know we need a Savior Jesus I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord come into my heart come into my life forgive me for my sins write my name in the Lamb's book of life in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As, as the, they're singing tonight a song, the altars are open. It's a good night to just find a place and say, Lord, let these truths get into my heart. Find a place at your seat. Find a place somewhere as we sing a worship song. I would encourage you just to spend just a few minutes and say, God, put these truths into my spirit so that I can rightfully divide your truth tonight as we sing.